It is Good Friday, the second part of a three-part worship service which began last night and concludes Easter Sunday morning. The three parts form a continuous whole. Because there will be some times in the service tonight that are silent, it would be an especially important thing for you tonight to check to be sure that your cell phone is turned off. And you'll also notice that there are some spots in the service where you will have some responsive readings. To symbolize the darkness of Good Friday, we'll conclude the service in a couple of moments of complete darkness. We ask that you meditate and rest in the silence during that time and that you don't try to get up and leave until the lights go on so that you won't trip in the darkness. If you have a small child with you for whom darkness is going to be difficult, the ushers can help you figure out where childcare is when we get to that part in the service. And then we will depart the sanctuary after the lights come on this evening. Let us pray. Tonight, the carpenter's hands are nailed to a cross. The king of kings is crowned with thorns and wears the purple robe of mockery. Today, he sets us free, himself imprisoned on a tree. Today is God's Friday. We come in worship. Please join me for a call to worship. He grew up like a young plant before us, like a root from dry ground. He possessed no splendid form for us to see, no desirable appearance. He was despised and avoided by others, a man who suffered, who knew sickness well, like someone from whom people hid their faces. He was despised, and we did not think about him. Like sheep, we had all wandered away, each going its own way. But the Lord let fall on him all our crimes. Let us stand as we sing together, What Wondrous Love Is This? What wondrous love is this? So my soul, oh my soul, what wondrous love is this, oh my soul, what wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for 
Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, in whose house the scribes and the elders had gathered. But Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards in order to see how this would end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last two came forward and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. The high priest stood up and said, have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But Jesus was silent. And then the high priest said to him, I put you under oath before the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? And they answered, He deserves death. And they spat in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophecy to us, you Messiah. Who is it that struck you? Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before all of them, saying, I don't know what you are talking about. When he went out to the porch, Another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to curse, and he swore an oath, I do not know the man. At that moment, the cock crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly.
stand together as we sing. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus in order to bring about his death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. 
At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want for me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus, who was called the Messiah? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what should I do with Jesus, who was called the Messiah? All of them said, Let him be crucified. Then he asked, Why? What evil has he done? And they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified.
So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, His blood be on us and on our children. So he released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand and knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. After mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him.
Then two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priest also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he wants to. For he said, I am God's son. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sympathini. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders heard it. They said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. But others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The temple, the temple, the temple. At one time, it was a tent in the desert, put together with animal skins, fashioned by instructions from heaven to Moses and Aaron, designed so that every minute detail of the of the tabernacle, of this tent, had theological, spiritual meaning for Israel. At the very center of this tent was that zone named as the Holy of Holies, the dwelling place of the Holy One of Israel. In the daytime, the presence of God could be seen in a pillar of cloud. At nighttime, it was a pillar of fire. And when it was time for Israel to move, the cloud or the fire would rise up from the tent and begin to move, and all of Israel would know it was time to break camp, to begin movement to a new place. For 40 years, that went on. Until at last, King David and King Solomon 
desired to build God a permanent place, a house in which he could dwell. And they did so, and it stood for 500 years until the Babylonians tore it down and raised the temple and burned it and destroyed all the symbolism in the temple And Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord travel with God's people into Babylonian captivity until one day the glory of the Lord would be traveling a new highway in a new exodus back into the promised land where there were attempted efforts to rebuild the temple but nothing really significant until Herod the Great built the temple. Forty-six years it took Herod to build that temple, that house of God. And again, attention to every detail was important. At the center of the temple in Jerusalem was the Holy of Holies. And in that small room, the Ark of the Covenant was held. And on top of that Ark, the mercy seat and the seraphim on either side And once a year on Yom Kippur, the high priest would take the blood of the lamb into that holy place and smear it on the mercy seat to make atonement for the sins of the people that Israel might live another year. Before the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies, they would tie a rope around him in case the holiness of God devoured him, they could drag him out without having to go through the curtain that separated the worshiping community from the holy presence of God. In the outer courts of the temple, there was a court for Gentiles where they could enter, but they dare not come too close. There was a court for women, and women dare not come too close. Only the the men of Israel, and in particular the priests and the power elite of Israel, could work their way into the inner precincts of the temple built into the very fabric and the structure of that building was the reminder that access to God was limited. There were walls that one dare not move beyond. What separated these divisions were beautiful curtains, our veils. And Matthew and Mark and Luke want us to know that while Jesus was hanging upon the cross as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that that curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And the way was opened for whosoever will may come into the presence of God. 
the symbolism of Golgotha was interpreted by Jesus. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Tear this temple down, and in three days I will build it again. I have come to open the door for all of humanity to come into the presence of the living holy God of Israel. His body was the very temple of God. And his body became the body of Christ, the church, charged with a mission in the world. It was this theology that became the very source and wellspring of the unity of the body of Christ, of the holiness of the church, of the peace of the church. Paul, the apostle, had a glimpse of this when he wrote to the Ephesian church. And he said that God made peace through the blood of Christ and reconciled us to himself and us to one another. Whether we be Jews or Gentile, male or female, rich or poor, black and white, whatever the color of our skin or the language that we speak, the way has been opened. There is an open door, opened by the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, opened by the love of God who, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly so that we might be reconciled and made one with God, our sins forgiven, called to live and to walk in a new way, a new life. This is the symbolism of the tearing of the veil or the curtain in the temple. In that moment when Jesus gave up his last breath, in that very moment, the sacrifice was accepted and humanity was healed and invited to come. Wherever the church has continued to build walls or to raise up curtains to separate people, brothers and sisters, from one another, and we have done plenty of that. We violate the very essence of the gospel of God who wants to bring us together as one people, to join us as one new humanity in Christ, to build us into a holy temple in the Lord, living stones, alive to God by the power of the Holy Spirit. In our worship this evening, May we know that we are in the dwelling place of God, that we are the dwelling place of God, that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, gifts from God, infinitely loved. Thank God that the veil was torn. And the way opened for us all. Let us pray.
Merciful God, on this Good Friday, we join with brothers and sisters around the world in this time of fear and anxiety to worship you. We believe that you have prepared a way, the highway of the Lord, the way that leads into the inner heart of the love of God, the God whom we've come to know in the face of Jesus through whom we have received grace and truth so that whether we be far away or near, we are invited to come and to fellowship with you to have our lives transformed, to be empowered to walk in the way of truth, justice, and love. We praise you and we thank you for what you have done for us, what we could never have done for ourselves, for teaching us in such simple symbols the depth of the heart of God for a lost humanity. Tonight we simply say to you, we love you. You are our Lord and our God. And we thank you that Easter is coming. In the name of Jesus, amen. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, Truly, this man was God's son. Tremble. Were you there 
when they nailed him to the tree. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble. Trembled. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you Oh.